broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Cumming, Georgia, it's time for Forsyth Business Radio. And hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Forsyth Business Radio. I am your host, Amanda Pierce, joined in studio by my co-host, Mr. Brad Beer. How are you today? Well, thank you. Very we were, nice. We were just having a funny conversation about the slaughter of your last name over the years. There's a lot of vowels in it, and it really gets people anxious when they're they're it, forced to say it. It does. Um, for those of you that don't know Brad, Brad is the area executive for First Citizens Bank, and he is going to be riding the catbird seat here with me for the next few episodes. So we're going to get to know Brad throughout our time together, and hopefully Brad won't take my job by the time it's all said and done. I don't know. I think you do a very fine job, and uh, I think you're safe. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we've got two wonderful guests in studio today. First, I'd like to thank Mr. Mike Salmon from Gwinnett Business Radio X, who is allowing us to actually record here for convenience of our guests. And our guests today are Colleen Japuntich. I practice that. Yeah, that's not like that's Smith not a, or Brown no, or anything. No, it's Ooh. not an easy one either, so I can I can relate yeah. to having people slaughter your yeah. name. She is the president of NEMA Incorporated, located in Duluth, Georgia. And then also alongside is Cole Porter, who is the president of Porter Steel Incorporated as well. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Let's just let our listeners understand a little bit about their corporations and maybe about what they do within the community. No, I like it. I think it's a plan. Who would you like to start with, Brad well, or Colleen? What do you say, Colleen? Ladies first. Sure. He's a gentleman. Awesome. Well, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, So I work for Nima Incorporated. We are a logistics company here in Duluth, as Amanda mentioned. We've been in business for about 34 years doing um, long-haul trucking, warehousing. We do international services, air freight, um, mainly for the paper machine clothing industry, which is what we've had in our wheelhouse for several years. But we are looking to branch out, get some more business in the warehousing side, and um, expanding our foreign trade zone, which we've talked a little bit about on our last show. Which was celebrating Powerhouse Women, by the way. And how about you, Cole? Tell us about Porter Steel. Yeah, so um, Porter Steel was founded in 1983 by my dad, Low Porter, and uh, we've been doing uh, structural steel miscellaneous metals in the construction industry for all that time. Um, so right now we work mostly for GCs and then larger steel fabricators where, where we will do the miscellaneous metals um, portion of a project. So. Give an example of miscellaneous metals. Yeah, so um, structural steel is, you know, the columns, beams, joist deck, the things that if you removed one of those members, um, something might fall down or be dangerous. Whereas miscellaneous metals helps people, is how I like to say it. So stairs, rails, um, they definitely need to be there for safety, but um, they're not a structural component of a building. Um, So we do a lot of those. Uh, it's a very important part and also gets seen a lot. So we like to show off our work. Yeah, a lot of the structural up, stuff. Right. right, yeah, it gets the, covered the, up. The drywall <laughs> doesn't cover that stuff up. Exactly. There's a lot of projects now, right, that have you know steel shown and, and it's kind of showcased a little bit more than, than maybe in the past. Yeah, and there's something called um, architecturally exposed structural steel, and that's um, when columns and beams are a part of the architecture of the space. And so that's cool. We've been a part of a lot of cool projects like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly the miscellaneous, you'll see those stairs, you'll see the rails. Um, you'll see the facade work, the signage that we might put up. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Colleen now, um, give me maybe the technical term for it. When I was touring your facility, the mounts that are on your wall made of steel that are holding the large barrels of your mm-hmm. product, would you think that that would be a miscellaneous metal? I would think so. Our racks that we use for, you know, holding pallets and the fabrics. So okay. They're like, they kind of look like railroad ties. They're like beams. Okay. Do you do railroad ties? Uh, not railroad. Railroad special. So it's like federally regulated and stuff like that. Are they made of steel? 
Yeah, they might steal. I think it's just a different com- mm-hmm. um, composition. I'm not certain, but you're like you can't. When someone brings in a railroad tie and says or a railroad rail and mm-hmm. says, "Cut this for me," you can't do that. You got to tell them like you, you have to have a letter. You can't dabble in that. Right. right? You, you either do yeah. that or you right. don't. It's right. like you got to give me a letter from the uh, railroad company that says I can do that. You know. I so. can imagine they wouldn't want any like Jerry rigging on the tracks. Yeah. Maybe probably regulated by the DOT. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably it's somebody. <laughs> well, before the show, we were kind of talking about the history of NEMA. But first, because we were talking about your name, Colleen, what is the actual origin of Jabuntic? Yeah, so it's actually my husband's name, mm-hmm. um, but it's Croatian. So so, so so, to NEMA, what what I, full disclosure, had, I had to look up clothing machine and, uh, yeah. and, and that, that kind of stumped me at first. I mean, I, I didn't realize what it was. Maybe you can share a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So the product that we haul called Paper Machine Clothing, it actually goes on the paper machine. So they call it clothing of the paper machine. Um, and it helps make paper. They cannot make paper. You're talking tissue, um, toilet paper, Kleenex, paper towels, things like drywall, um, you know, cardboard boxes for all these Amazon products they were ordering to our house. So... Again, without this product, we have they a can't lot of make boxes that. that yes, come to our house. yes, the we're card- supporting the cardboard box. We are, so we're happy to help support that business, and we're grateful that people are supporting that. You know, so during the pandemic, when everybody was having issues getting paper towels and toilet paper, we were we were really busy. Mm-hmm. I yeah, bet. Holy smokes! Yeah. And did you know that that was done right here in Duluth, like unbeknownst to us, right here in Duluth? Mm-hmm. Now, Colleen has clients that are all over the world. And when I was in her office, I keep giving all these these secrets because I got to tour the facility. I want to tour the facility. I don't know. Please come by. Yes. Okay. First of all, there's one qualifying question. Brad, do you like cats? Yes. Then you're in. You're good. (laughs) And I know it sounds redundant, Colleen. But we have a different family fur friends. Tell them. Tell them. Yes. So we have two office cats, Mm -hmm. Frankie and Rosie. We've had them for about nine years. And throughout the history of Nemo, we've always had office cats. Outstanding. Yeah. They really rule the roost. They do. Like they have like a whole like play area, like the jungle gym. I don't know the term for it. Mm-hmm. And also their bedding is like on the desks. So her um, her colleagues will be working and then do 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 and just uh, lay down. It's really cool. I did yeah. see on, on the website, Colleen, like mission, mission vision, mm-hmm. you know, values and, and, and kind of the family yep. approach to things. Maybe you could you know, tell a little bit more about that. Yeah, so again, it was started as a family business. You know, Neil, the owner, um, and his wife, which is where the NEMA comes from. His name is Neil. Her name is Marcia. So that's okay. where we got All the right. NEMA. Um, and then lots of other family members have come and gone over the years. And it's just an environment that we, we get along really well. We enjoy working together. We work really hard, but we love to play hard, too. And, mm-hmm. and the cats kind of help us keep a little bit more centered and grounded and, and reduce the stress. And they can be entertaining, too, when you get a nice laser <laughs> pointer out and start playing. Sure. Working hard and then playing. I know that's uh, yeah. that's part of Porter Steel as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, we're definitely focused on the, the mission, vision, values. Um, we're, we say we're powered by principle. principle. Yeah. So we just really like to make our decisions um, out of principle. Um, you know, anything we do, we want to stand by that decision um, if it's a principled one, you know. So um, I think that that's a good rule for us and, and just anything in life. I mean, if you can just know what your principles are and where you stand. So um, we try to push that to our employees and um, and also for us to be held accountable um, by not just holding our employees accountable, but them holding us accountable um, mm-hmm. to say to do what we say we're going to do. Right. So, yeah. I like how on your website, Cole, you talk about who you serve and first you list your employees. Mm-hmm. It's employees like family community clients yeah so you would think like most people it would be a paradigm shift they'd be like clients da, da, da. but you first and foremost serve you know inside 
from inside out, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the reason why we're in business is, you know, one of the main reasons is that we obviously want to provide a great, you know, service to the families that make it up. So it's my family, but it's also the 75 other families that are represented. Uh, if we if we can't make money and those 75 families aren't better off, then we have to question why we're doing things, right? So mm-hmm. that's really where we start. And, um, you know, we call everyone a partner. So it's whether it's an employee, a vendor, or a customer, like you, we need to be partners. And if, if it's just transactional, then we probably need to move on um, for both of our sake. But we want it to do that relationship, that re- that relational um, approach to business. And you apply that in your personal life as well. I know oh, you, no doubt, you yeah. lead your, your family with, with fortitude and grace. <laughs> um, on the personal side, Cole is a dad of? Three. three. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And how yep. what's the age range again? Yeah, so Amos is seven, Hannah is about to turn six, and Abram's about to turn three. Wow. So. They keep us busy. You Good. did that well. They, they would say, yeah. about to, I'm right. almost six. Yeah, but I'm almost. <laughs> especially three. when they're that young. It's like there's a big difference between, you know, just turned five and almost six, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. kind of. We like to round up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Colleen, remind me, your daughter's 12? She's 11. She'll 11. be 12 in February. I, see, I almost mm-hmm. got it. Yep. And you guys just took a recent trip to Disneyland, didn't you? Well, it was a business trip to Disneyland. We were actually down there Indeed. for a conference that was actually at one of the resorts at Disney. So, of course, one of my coworkers and I said, well, we're going to go a few days early and do the parks. <laughs> well, then when my daughter found out I was going to Disney without her, that that was not going to fly. So I had to make an agreement that I would take her for fall break. So in two weeks, we're going to Disney again. <laughs> Is well, it going to be just the girls, or are you going to let your just, husband go? No, just, <gasps> he's not a Disney fan. Can't stand Disney. I don't know why. I was raised on Disney huge fanatic so my daughter and I are gonna have a blast just a girl's trip that's it I remember I cherished times that I had just to spend with individual parents as well as collectively we do we do a little bit of that in our house and 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 the 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 Disney thing I'm not the hugest fan of Mm -hmm. Disney I mean there's something about heat and humidity and lines and 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 then putting on a great face and the kids don't care and and my you know Tara my wife doesn't care so so sometimes we we've we've split up in the past now it's a little more fun to go to like Universal for me and so I've, I've kind of like jumped into the Disney thing now that we've mm-hmm. got teenagers and, and we, we all have a good time together. But I, I, I'm with your husband on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's pivot here really quickly because we have something that we haven't touched on. And I think it's definitely noteworthy. I'm going to put you in the hot seat, Cole, because you are a local celebrity, I think at least. <laughs> you might have seen him recently. Um, I've been seeing through the social media feeds. You made a Good Day Atlanta appearance not too long mm-hmm. ago. Um, but there's a specific reason that you've kind of gotten all this media attention so share with our listeners a little bit about the arc of Lilburn okay I will share with you I will say it's um it's funny that you say I'm a local celebrity because I would have to um uh, you know it's just funny to hear you're not just roll with it local celebrity you're a humble man (laughs) so you would never identify yourself as that yeah I would never self-identify as a local celebrity (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so it's uh it's a film that is uh, it's a documentary uh, style film that is called the Ark of Lilburn, and it is about uh, my family, our business, and um, the subject matter is really moving um, the steel yacht that my dad built from Lilburn uh, to the Tennessee River in Tennessee near Knoxville. And so that's kind of like the underlying reason why we're filming, but the story of the of the documentary really goes deeper into uh, my family, uh, my relationship with my dad, that's probably a big portion of it, uh, and just kind of how we navigate those waters. <laughs> and then there's lots of boat analogies, and but it, it's very, uh, th- in the beginning, it was going to be a very simple, like, okay, we're going to move the boat, and it's going to be simple, and we might have to add some scenes to it. Um, but 
it just the way it happened it was so much everything that could go wrong went wrong um so it was just very dramatic process it was very stressful so we didn't have to do anything extra it was just very real um and i think it's a really good product um and so we just had a distribution deal and it will be coming uh, for on demand in december and then streaming in the first quarter of next year and you had a sneak preview didn't you at the yes. i always say around aurora theater no it was oh. the uh, I can't even remember. Not the one <laughs> in, not Anthony and no, no, no. no. Okay. It was in, um, it was in Atlanta. Oh, okay. um, we had a little premiere. Um, so we, there's an episodic version, and then there's a, a film version. And the one that's gone under contract is the film version. But we showed the first three episodes in that version um, in the premiere. Um, so yeah, it was good. Cole, what was like the initial, like how did the, the idea of a movie, how did that, or and then what was the motivation to actually like run with it? Right, yeah, so there was a producer and a director that was filming, uh, they were filming a pilot for just a proof of concept film or a series that they had designed and they came by Porter Steel and they said, hey, we, there was like this apocalyptic kind of um, murders and assassinations and like fight scenes and things like that. So they're like, hey, we need an old warehouse to film this in. <laughs> and they're like, and yours looks kind of old. <laughs> so we were like, they asked if they could film one day and, and we agreed to it. And um, while they were filming one Friday night, uh, they wandered back into our boat shop and I showed them and they said, what is this? And, you know, of course, this, this is a 50 foot long steel yacht. And then when it's not in water, it's like 20 feet tall. I mean, it's huge. Um, and especially when you don't know what you're about to walk into. And so when they saw it, they're like, what is this? And what are you doing with it here? You know? Um, and so that's when I was telling them that we're about to move this thing to the, to the river and it's going to be this crazy thing, but we're doing it. And that's when they're like, you have to film this, you know? And so that's when they start talking to my dad about, we've got to make this into a documentary. And we did. Nice. Wasn't there a little funny part that I remember where you telling me once upon a time, like it was a project that took your dad a while. Like it was an ongoing build. And when he started, he had no idea how big it was going to be and didn't think about how he would get it into the water. Well, he always, he had a set of plans. So he knew how big it was going to end up, but the problem was he started in 2003 ish. And, um, and then when the recession happened in 2011, 2012, he completely stopped. And so it was about 90, 95% complete at that time. Well, when he's in 2003, when he's getting quotes to move it from the water or from here to the water, it was a lot less than it is now. And so, you know, you're just not planning to, sp- to spend the extra money that we spent um, to get it there. So that was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Are you having to pay to plop it in the uh, Tennessee River? Like, obviously, it's in a dry dock space. So okay. it's kind of like a rented monthly um, place that it sits until we're ready to tow it down the river. All right. And you, obviously you're going to do the whole christening with a champagne bottle and sail off into the wind. Something like that. Very yeah. cool. To be determined. <laughs> well, they should, they should document that yeah. as well. No doubt. Speaking logistically, Colleen, Colleen has a, a, a wonderful and just totally analytical mind for logistics. I know that as we speak now, you know where those little trucks on that screen are driving around and you know where all your drivers are <laughs> and routes, et cetera. Yep, yep. From a logistical standpoint, talk about maybe some of the challenges that someone um, like Cole's family in moving that arc would experience like through the DOT or even getting mm-hmm. it down the road just based on your, your knowledge within logistics. Sure. Well, the biggest thing is obviously the DOT regulations and the number of hours a driver can can drive every day. You know, they're limited to 11 hours per day that they can drive. But with that, they also have a um, clock that runs concurrently with it, 14 hours of day on duty. So 
what people fail to realize is that if they're sitting somewhere at a shipper or a delivery waiting to either pick up or deliver and they get held up, you know, yeah, they're, they still have 11 hours per se to drive, but if they've wasted eight hours of their on duty, they don't have that many. They only have now, you know, four hours to drive or three hours to drive. Mm -hmm. So that's a big constraint, you know, shippers and, and receivers, a lot of them because of COVID, you know, shut their hours down to a shorter time period. So like a lot of the places we go to, they close at two o'clock. Hmm. So when your driver's uh, driving uh, all day and he misses that window, let's say he gets there at 2.30 mm -hmm. and he has to now wait till the next day, that limits how he can get to his next stop. So mm -hmm. now you're, you know, we like to say it's a cascading effect. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, that delivery is delayed and he has to wait till the next day, which means all the deliveries after that have to wait to the next day. Mm -hmm. And the way we run it, we do a route service. So we have all of our deliveries on the front end of the trip and the back end we pick up at the manufacturer, bring it back to NEMA. We do the sort, re, you know, repurpose it, put it on a trailer and deliver it. So it's kind of a round robin, constantly moving. Well, if you have delays on your deliveries, now you're delayed at your pickup. Mm -hmm. If you have a problem with the pickup, they don't get back to NEMA to make that sort. Now you're delaying that delivery an additional week. So again, everything just snowballs. It does. Mm -hmm. It does. So you've got those yeah. things. You know, you've got um, law enforcement that's looking for. You know, hey, are they speeding even just a little bit over? They're looking for money to help fund. You know, their local right. communities. So you've got those kinds of issues. I see the scales on the side of highways too. Yes, is that it, it can be. Thankfully, we have a really good safety record. Mm -hmm. um, there's this program called CSA which kind of keeps track of how well you're doing. And that's when you can determine whether or not the DOT has to come in and do an audit because maybe you're not being safe, you're not staying within your hour constraints and things like that. So a lot of times if you have a good score, we have a system in the truck that will give us a green light as our drivers are driving past. You see those little things that hang over the, the highway right. and it'll give them a green light to say, hey, you, so you, you have a, a good score, you get a pass, oh, which is great. That's a because differentiator it is. for you. It's a big back deal. Back to the timing. Not it having is. to sit in line and wait to get Absolutely. on that scale. So, I mean, even if they have to slow down and just go through, you know, slowly, sure. that can be a five or 10 minute. But if all of a sudden the DOT says, hey, I want to bring you over, you're looking at at least an hour delay because right. they're going to look at your logs. They're going to look at your load. They're going to look at your tractor, trying to find something that they can, you know, put you on the side of the road. And then if they do find something that is egregious enough, now they're putting you out of service and you have to wait until either you get it fixed or if you're past your hours, you have to wait until you are able to drive again. So everything we do has potential delays and potential pitfalls. Right. And everybody's got to realize it's a team sport, right? Like it we, is. we all got to work together to, to make this Absolutely. happen. Most of our, our trucking clients, Colleen, I'm trying to think, are, are like, it's domestic, right? I mean, you take a truck, maybe they're coast to coast, maybe they're Southeast regional. But I saw a couple of like international mm -hmm. and, and foreign trade you know, kind yeah. of topics mentioned on your website. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so the product that we haul um, is made in the US. It's made all across the world. And some of them are made in maybe China or in Europe, come here and go to paper mills here, and then vice versa. Some of them are made here domestically, but they're going overseas for a paper mill over there. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of transitioning. Um, but we have several plants that we go up to Canada. So we have drivers, we have I think four or five trucks that go every week into Canada. A lot of paper make mills deliveries. up there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, bring stuff up there, bring stuff back from the manufacturers there. We don't go into Mexico just because that's a whole nother world. Um, uh, yeah, it's a little bit more, um, Risky? Not, not so, yes, yes, <laughs> not so safe. Um, so we have trucks um, that we take our trailer down to Laredo and, and leave it with the freight forwarder, and then they take it into Mexico, okay. down to a plant there, 
take off the product that's going to distribute throughout Mexico, pick up product there that's coming back either to the U.S., Canada, or going on to a container for us to send overseas. Sure. So, yeah, so we've got a lot of trucks, you know, with only having 34 drivers, we cover most of the U.S., Canada, and two Laredo. That's impressive. Yeah, no doubt. It's not, right, I mean, like, the the first thing that comes to mind, it's not easy to run a business. If if it was, everybody would, so you guys don't need to be know that, and... And then the headwinds right now are, are, are pretty strong. And, and then specifically, like one of them is employment and, and finding it. And, and then specifically with employment, it seems like truck drivers are, are, are challenging to find right now. So, very much how, so. How, how are you dealing with that? Uh, well, we're very fortunate. Um, again, kind of what Cole is talking about of, of how we treat our people. Mm-hmm. It really matters. So the drivers, we take really good care of them. So they want to stay with us a long time. We have drivers. We have one that's been with us 27 years. Yes. Um, our average is probably between 10 to 15 years of seniority. Yep. And again, it's the route. Mm-hmm. They know what day they leave every week. They know what day they get home. So you can actually have a life and plan. And if you have kids, you can be there for their games and their sports and, you know, those kind of things. So that's a big deal. And obviously, you know, making sure our pay is competitive. You know, we can't necessarily compete with a Walmart paying six figures, but our drivers are as taken care of as we can within the constraints of our business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems that both of your organizations share a a family, you know, culture and really kind of nurture that. And therefore, you guys have had a lot of retention. Colt, you specifically mentioned 75 families. So does that mean that you have 75 employees? Yeah, we have um, 75 employees right now. Um, And and we really try to, you know, our our philosophy is really that we want to lead in more than just business. So we want to lead in our community. We want to lead in public policy. We want to lead in just how business should run and how you should treat people. Um, so we don't want to like just say, oh, well, we're just a business, so we can only talk about business things, right? Uh, we we know that we impact those 75 employees, and, uh, and that it's very difficult to separate your work life from your individual personal life. So um, my philosophy is that I want to, rather than you having to have a break from your work life, I just want to positively impact your personal life, right? So I want your, your wife and your kids or your, or your husband or whoever to say, oh, I'm glad you work at Porter Steel because I can see that it, it's helping you and it's not being a, um, a drain on our family, it's being positive for our family. And we have a long way to go in a lot of places. I mean, it's not something that you just snap your fingers and that happens, but I think that if we have that philosophy as our, as our goal, then we can really make a difference and not just those lives, but also our community and, um, and those around us. Talk a little bit about the structure of your team. You've recently became president mm-hmm. of Porter Steel. Yep. So previous to that, you were the vice president. Right. So talk about the structure now. Is there currently someone in the VP seat? Well, yeah. So uh, when I came back professionally five years ago, uh, I started as a project manager and then became general manager and then vice president, now president. And, um, but you know, in high school, I worked in the shop um, and I was a project manager after college for a little while. Um, but the... You know, my philosophy is definitely that I need to have people that know more than me around me. <laughs> so uh, there, there are areas of the business where I know enough to be dangerous or know enough to have a conversation about, but they're certainly experts. And those people need to be the ones accountable for the, um, for the everything in that area, right? And so I want to have a good leadership team, and I think we've really formed that uh, with some really great directors. And then I have two vice presidents. Oh. Um, so that are basically running different divisions of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but we certainly are a team approach. We definitely, um, we're really pushing accountability right now and trying to build that up um, and make sure that like, you know, hey, if we can operate and, and do what we say we're gonna do and be accountable for the things we're, we say we will be, then success should be a given, right? Like we, we need to work hard, we need to be accountable. And those are the things we're pushing right now. 
think we as a society, Cole, are doing a better job of saying that like skilled trades is a great way for a young person to go as, as a career. Are you seeing that in terms of like being able to recruit new and younger yeah, associates? Yeah, I, I think it's um, we're, we're making some headway. I think that uh, it's got a long way to go. I think there's still a belief in the average family. I would say that if you talk to the the teenagers in that family or even the parents that you know college is the way to go you know and i think for the for certain people absolutely that's correct um, but i think for others i think that uh, definitely the trades are um, the right decision and incredibly um, fruitful and you know good for you to do um, but i think that you know the politicians are starting to talk about it now because they're realizing how much student debt is and all these things that we've caused problems by just saying go to college, you know, go to college, get a um, liberal arts degree, um, and I have a liberal arts degree, so I'm not not bashing that, but um, but there's I don't use my liberal arts degree, right? I'm glad I went to college, but I don't have a, I had a Spanish degree, so I'm I'm not I'm not teaching Spanish, right? So it just looks nice on the wall, right? Yeah, I don't even have mine on the wall. Golly, <laughs> that's good uh, for the beach vacation, right? Too. What did you, you pay for, Cole? <laughs> right, be fluent with the Uber driver, right? I, I was able to talk to um, yeah. my, my folks in, in the DR, but. Um, but the point is, is that the politicians are starting to talk about it. But I think that we as a society really have to remove the stigma of like you have to go to college. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. The library of completed projects you guys have on your website is pretty mm -hmm. cool. Maybe you could share a little bit about one that stands out or a couple. Oh, gosh. Well, we um, my dad always makes the statement that we've probably worked on every block in Atlanta uh, mm -hmm. just because, you know, when you do 150 or 175 projects a year over 40 years, um, you you have a wide, you know, uh, footprint, but, um, most of our work has been Atlanta. It has been in Atlanta historically, or the Metro area, North Georgia. Um, we are certainly, um, stepping out into the Southeast now. Um, so over the coming years, I expect there'll be a lot of growth into the Southeast, but, um, some notable projects, uh, we, you know, historically we worked on first Baptist church of Atlanta, um, uh, uh for, uh, Dr. Stanley. Um, we, have worked at the um, Smith Gall, the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Yeah. We've worked on Illuminarium in Atlanta. There's a lot of different ones that are high profile. Um, but right now we're working on the Assembly Studios, mm -hmm. um, which is over in Doraville, the new um, studio that they're building. It's going to be incredible. Um, we're doing all the miscellaneous metals for, well, not all, but most of those. And so there's some really pretty rails, some really pretty architectural pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and what's really neat is that they're doing so much of a social media push. And so literally all of our stuff is like in renderings that they're putting out on social media. And so I can't wait for when we're finished for them to really show all that yeah, off. because fantastic. It's really cool. yeah. Just with, to your point, we've got a random client that was on the east side of the connector in Midtown, right, in a tower, leasing space. They're a professional firm, and they decided to go over to the west side on the back side of Georgia Tech and buy an old industrial building, turn it into professional you know, firm office space, mm -hmm. and it's really cool. And yeah. there's a lot of steel showcased in there no as well. So. I like the, the exposed steel. For those of you who are just joining us, our guests today are Colleen with uh, NEMA Incorporated. She is the president and also Cole, who is the president of Porter Steel Incorporated. And I am joined by my co-host today, Mr. Brad. This special show is brought to you by First Citizens Bank. So thank you, Brad, for your support with this series. My and also, pleasure. While we're talking about sponsorships, Cole and I, we serve on the board of the Young Professionals in Gwinnett together. Well, I've been kicked off to the Emeritus Board because I aged out. But Cole still has the great pleasure of sitting on the actual board. <laughs> Maybe I, you're getting kicked no, off no, next I'm year. Actually, well, I'm actually already on the Emeritus Board, too, now. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So you know what? Senior yeah. advisor as well. When you turn 36, <laughs> yeah. that's what happens. Aye, Literally, aye. they know your birthday. I can hardly okay, remember 36. So we, 
<laughs> we sit together on the emeritus board, shall I say. And you also participate on... Uh, yes, I'm on the, the board of, of the uh, chamber. Gwinnett Chamber. Of Gwinnett of Gwinnett Gwinnett chamber, chamber yeah. Yeah. Uh, Porter Steele is an enthusiastic supporter of the young professionals. So he and his company have sponsored a lot of events. So thank you all for the support and everything you do within the community. I know that you're big into service as well, Colleen. Mm-hmm. So share with us maybe some of your passions. Share with us some of the things that you do as a team other than go flounce about Disneyland yes. with your team. What do you guys <laughs> do to kind of make it? It is. Fla- it's a flouncing? word. Flounce. Is that a verb? Yes. Do you flounce? You sure. can flounce. Okay. A dress can be flouncy. A comment could be flouncy. We'll have to show him what Sham- flouncing looks like down Champagne. the hall when we're finished. Let's, let's do it. Champagne is flouncy. In, indeed. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, Some of I'll the, just go the things it. you guys do together. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, we haven't had a lot of time because we're so busy keeping our trucks on the road to really do a lot of team activities as far as in the community. Um, but we are big on trying to find ways to give back, whether it's through money, through sponsorships and things like that. One that we're really big about, obviously, is the Alzheimer's um, Association. You know, we have um, some some family members in our in our company that have dealt with that. Um, personally, um, I'm a big supporter of anything with the American Cancer Society. Having been through breast cancer recently, um, it's a big a big thing close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually going to be doing a Relay for Life team um, in next year's Relay for Life. Nice. It will be, I think, in April or May. So we're really so. excited about that, trying to get our team together. But just anything um, to give back to the community. And we're hoping with our partnership with the chamber and, and all the people we're meeting through the chamber to help us find more ways to give back to our community that's going to make a difference so we're really yeah. excited about that so any any support you guys have or want to send our way of, of where we can look at that please let me know we will share with you yeah. sure. you do your marketing with mighty eights don't you that's correct yeah. okay. oh. so does colleen yes. oh, yeah. there's another yeah. connection you know yeah, jonathan all, Holmes all, and team right mighty Eighth. well yeah my, my wife is uh, is an attorney and she has her own firm and she's used mighty oh, eight for years so oh, nice. so we all we all know jonathan that's really great. well He's a he's a great creative, mm, definitely highly respected, and always so well dressed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Why dapper? Dapper, I like it. Shout out, Jonathan, if you're listening. <laughs> Colleen, I didn't share with our listeners on this channel we have in the past with celebrating powerhouse women. Colleen has actually been with NEMA for 15 years. 16 next 16. month. 16. Wow. Tell us a little bit about that, the progression of your career throughout the years. Sure. Yeah. So I started back in 2006 and I was hired to be the administrative assistant to the owner and then executive vice president. And just over the years, I'm pretty tenacious um, and I'm willing to get in and learn whatever I need to do to do a better job and to to make the company better as a whole. So I did that for several years, became the executive assistant. Um, That was enough. I was bored. So I decided I wanted to learn HR. So I took on some HR stuff and really got good into that. Well, then we were having a project that we needed a new transportation management system. And I said, well, I'm pretty good with computers and the Internet took that on, became the project manager for that, elevated up to um, operations, VP of operations, did that for several years. And then back in 2018, when the then president was looking to retire and she was trying to figure out, gosh, who's going to take this on? I'm like, hey, sure. You know, I like, I like challenge. So let's see what happens. And so we spent the next year working on my transition and I was named president in 2019 in June. That's fantastic. Thank you. What a great story. And I'm sure people appreciate the perspective you have on the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There isn't yep. a hat that she hasn't worn in that building. Yeah, I haven't driven a truck, and oh. I have not driven a forklift. They will not let me do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. had really cool Honda forklifts, didn't you? Toyota, actually. Toyota, mm-hmm. see, I knew it. Okay. They were, yeah, super. And actually, they, they have, like, a service that comes and takes care of them mm-hmm. for you, right? Because yep. I asked who was the mechanic on deck who services, you know, these tugs and, and the forklifts, but they actually have somebody that comes in and does all that for them. Sure. Yeah. Super cool. There's, there's, there's all, you know, we talk to our 
business owner clients about transition and and so but but you guys are both like on the early stage of of being in the role that that you're in right now so so i mean you, you've kind of been through it from the perspective of being the transition e and i, I think that's I'm, I'm curious about how you're going to be in the role for for quite some time i mean are there certain priorities that you've got maybe for for being in the role and kind of putting your mark on the organization you know for the years to come uh well for me it's just uh you know we want to like I mentioned before, the principles of it, we want to make sure that we create a culture that is um, is desired by the employees and, and also um, by our partners, you know, so like we want everyone to be proud that they partner with us and not just they save us money, but gosh, don't, you know, don't associate with them. You know, we, we want to be, mm-hmm. um, we want to be everything forthcoming and out in the open so that everyone's proud to, to do business with us. But I think also, you know, we, we want to grow. Um, so we don't want to settle for where we are. We've been kind of flat for um, some years before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really proud of the growth. We've um, we've almost doubled in revenue since 2018. So I'm proud of that, but I, we've got a long way to go and um, we're capable of a lot. So, and there's some really good opportunities in the marketplace. So I would like to take us there and um, be able to just kind of look back at the end of it and say like, look what we did together as a team. Um, and I think creating that culture of people knowing that they are contributing and that they are a valuable piece of the puzzle, that it's not a one-man show, it's not um, just a few people that are doing everything, it really is a group of people that are contributing their expertise, and I think that's really valuable. I've heard you say a couple times now, you you want to build the partnership relationships and not the vendor relationships, and that's a mindset. And, uh, and not everybody has that. And, right. you know, com- coming into relationships from the perspective of being a banker, I appreciate the fact that you're looking for partners. And, and right. then you have the expectation that people around you can, can step up and fill the role of being a partner yeah. and, and not just deliver as a vendor. And I think, too, like if you go into the, into the relationship with the attitude of like, hey, it's okay. It's not if, if we're not good partners for each other, that's not necessarily bad. Like it's not like you're bad or I'm bad. But it means our values are somehow misaligned, and that's okay. But we just need to recognize that and move on, mm-hmm. um, rather than trying to make something work that wasn't meant to work, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, how about for you, Colleen? When do you think? I mean, in the future, when you look back, what 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 sort of mark do you want to make on the organization? Yeah. Well, I don't know how I say it any better than what yeah. Cole said. I think that was fantastic. Um, a lot of what he said. I mean, very similar. You know, I want to be able to show that we've made a difference. You know that people can get their toilet paper and their paper towels, but also that we've done more than that, you know, in people's lives, you know, one of the things that Neil really would get excited about, and now I share that excitement, is when we'd have an employee come in and it's it's their first job, you know, Nima's the first place they've ever worked and they're like, I just bought a house. I just bought my new, my first real new car. And the excitement of being able to know you helped do that Mm -hmm. to me that is such a huge thing and I want to be able to continue that mark I want everybody in our company to say they either got their first car their first house because of working at NEMA sure so to me that's a big thing and really just trying to find more ways to give back to the community because the community I think has been just such an integral part of our growth over the years Um, especially this last year as we've gotten more involved with the chamber and making like you say a lot of partnerships and, and relationships with other people how do we give back to them? How do we give back to this community that I've been a part of? I've been living here since 2002. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is the place I've lived the longest in my entire life and it's home. And how do I make this an even better place to live? I don't know how you do because Gwinnett County is fantastic, You're but how do we it. make it even better? Right. Sounds like you guys have also legacy in common. And I'm curious, um, although you're kind of carrying the torch for um, Neil and Marsha, mm-hmm. was it? Yep. Um, Cole, specifically, do you have any brothers or sisters? 
Yeah, I have two younger brothers. Two younger brothers. Do you imagine Porter Steele staying in the family? Is the ultimate goal maybe one day to sell it? And then I guess where I was going that really before I found out you had two brothers was do you foresee bringing your children into the fold when they are of age? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm glad you started that with legacy because that really is a huge thing for me as far as why I'm interested in the business and why I really wanted to be involved um, just because I think it's so cool to see that you know my dad started the business from really nothing um, and grew it to where he grew it and then I'm able to take that torch and continue with a new vision and a new um, energy um, so I think it's really awesome and I'm really into like I think the decisions we make today are going to affect my grandkids you know so that I don't have yet but they're going to be affected by the things I do today and so I just think it's a really cool thing uh, that God's given us uh, just the ability to, to affect future generations and so um, that's important to me, and I certainly am, you know, I don't know what the future of Porter Steel will be. Uh, I don't know the future of our economy or any, any of those things, but I certainly want to be a good steward of those things forever um, and until God decides that I don't need to be a steward of it anymore. <laughs> but I think that uh, if my kids want to be involved, that'd be cool, you know, to, to see that desire. But it needs to be a passion. It's got to be something that they really want and not something that it's like they feel obligated, obligated to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. The generations, you know, right. like you're talking about, you started out and, and do you guys forge steel? No. So we take a uh, raw material, um, like beam, you know, the beam, the wide flange, the tube, the angle shapes in, in stock lengths. And then we cut them, torch them, drill them, fabricate them into usable columns, beams, rails, stairs, things like that. Interesting. I had to Google that before we got on the air. I was like, yeah. I wonder if they forge steel. There's lots of steps in the steel process from like, mm-hmm. you know, they have to mine it, they they um, mill it. There's just all these different spots. Mm-hmm. So common misconception. So. Yeah. Colleen, did you have anything to add to the legacy piece? No, I mean, I'm not part of the family but per you're se. you're carrying but on the legacy. I am, I am. And I do it as much for Neil because every day that I sat with him, his biggest thing was always talking about, I want this business to outlive me. I want it to take care of whoever, you know, not just his family, but all the families that worked there. And so every day when I do it, I'm always thinking about what, what would Neil want? How would he want this to continue? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately my daughter is a STEM girl and she wants to do something, not anything to do with business. She tells me all the time, she says, mom, what you do just doesn't look like a lot of fun. (laughs) So I don't think we'll have that legacy, but I'm happy to let anybody else's children in our business that want to continue that legacy. I hope we can do that for a long time. Support. Yes, absolutely. Well, we've learned so much about Cole and Colleen today, but I realize they don't mail, they don't know much about you, Brad. Now, just give the abbreviated version. Brad, too, has been with First Citizens for quite a while, and the culture of First Citizens is very unique. So go. share with Colleen and Cole just a little bit about that. I noticed the preface of abbreviated, Brad, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only because we're at 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows I could go on and on and on. I I think something that that our organization shares with our clients um, is is the the size of our organization and how we relate to our competitive peers. We are we we we'd like to think we're we're big enough to to have the horsepower and products and services and all the things you need to do to be able to deliver on a relationship. But we're small enough to be responsive and have decision makers in the market and be flexible and, and be thoughtful about who who we're going to bank and how we're going to bank and how we're going to manage those relationships as as a true partner would. So the, the, the one thing I think about, for I think that applies to, to both of you too. I mean, sure, you've got much larger peers than you and, and you leverage your size, I'm guessing, to your advantage. And, and we try and do that as well and not apologize for being you know not as big or not have as many office locations and, and, and leverage the fact that we're 
we're nimble and quick and, and can make decisions and when can be responsive. So, uh, so I, I think we've got that in common. The other thing I think we've got in common is that our organization is still uh, controlled by the family that founded it. That's so cool. way back yeah. in the late 1800s, uh, this family kind of you know got the bank going and somebody's involved with it. And generationally speaking, the uh, grandson and granddaughter of the founder are our chair and vice chair of the organization, our CEO and president. So, so that that's that's pretty cool. I'm I'm one step removed from uh, from our vice chair. So, uh, so a relatively flat organization, and uh, and so hope you know we'll we'll call every once in a while. I've got you know her name programmed in my phone, so I know when when hope our vice chair is is calling to say, hey Brad, how's it going in Atlanta today? You know, she's over in Raleigh, and mm. so we're still southeast uh, headquartered, but. Uh, but she's 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 interesting and she's fun to um, to work with. So it's kind of cool to have that flat of an organization to have kind of decision making power pushed down into the market, so that we can we can serve our clients as a true partner and not as a vendor. Awesome. I love it. Three great rich stories. But I do <laughs> want to thank you guys for joining us. I told you that the time would fly by so quickly. But one thing that I like to do before we say adios is I'd love for you to leave our listeners with just a word of wisdom or a thought or something positive. And I will lead. This comes from our good friend, Randy Brunson, who encourages you to be generous with not only your time, your treasures, and your talents. And Randy is a great mentor to both Cole and I, and I love sharing that piece so that others can learn. And we will lead with Brad. Wow. Give Don't us some putting somebody wisdom. on the spot. <laughs> Holy cow. Give us your wisdom. Yeah, right. I, I would say just grab a pen and a piece of paper and write down something you're grateful for. And I think that's something you can do you know, on a daily basis. And sometimes I forget to do that. And, and then I remember, oh, yeah, you know, there are a few things that, I mean, there's, there's a real reason to have a smile on your face right now. That's called a gratitude journal. Indeed. I love that's it. Good. Yeah. Yes. Cole? Oh, gosh, if I had to just fall back on one, it'd probably be um, anytime I give my opinion or um, try to defend something or put myself out there, I need to just know the principle behind where I'm at and not just really ask myself, why do I believe this? And is it right? You know, uh, is it right based on my principles? And I think if we do that, we eliminate a lot of um, just fluff in the world. Well said. (laughs) My turn, huh? Um, I would say the one word, because I've had to come across this a lot lately, is, is being humble. Um, cause you can be humble in so many ways and so many different facets of your life. And I think, you know, even with the success that I've been blessed with and worked hard for, I sometimes have to remember I didn't get there by myself and, mm-hmm. and to be humble too. There's a lot bigger powers out there than me. And just remember that. Well said. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. We have to say thanks to our producer, Mike, behind you. Our guests today were Colleen and Cole and my co-host in the catbird seat is Mr. Brad. This episode was brought to you by First Citizens Bank today. And for those of you out there listening, you can always catch these archived episodes on businessradiox.com. Select the Forsyth Studio. And of course, they are available on your favorite podcasting app. I listen on Apple iTunes. Where do you listen, Brad? I do as well. Okay. Spotify. Spotify. I've got to get Spotify, I guess. got to get the Spotify. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us, and we will see you again. I am your host, Amanda Peerch, and for Brad, this has been Forsyth Business Radio on Business Radio X. <laughs>